Well, good afternoon. <laughs> Had to stop and think about that for a moment. What day is it? What time is it? Um, it is good to see you all. It, it is good to be uh, at this place in this pandemic mess where we're starting to be able to um, meet together uh, more often, uh, more closely, sort of. Uh, get to see each other a little bit more. I'm getting to see more and more of you for the first time, which is nice for me. Uh, you, you might or might not know that it was six months ago to the day that uh, our governor said, hey, everybody go home uh, because you, you can't do this, 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 or this. I had been here at EP for two days uh, when he did that. Uh, so a, a lot of you I've never, I've never met. I'm sorry for that. I miss that. It's my loss. Uh, we're, we're at a strange place, though. Uh, we're at this place in our nation's history where we have uh, three crises that are, uh, that are being thrown upon us all at the same time. Uh, crisis of a pandemic, uh, a crisis of racial injustice, and a, a crisis of a political um, uh, situation that is just, it, it, it's hard. Uh, and it, would, it, it draws people apart rather than together. You top that off with a hurricane that was one of the worst or strongest in our nation's history. And then you have forest fires right now on the West Coast uh, that are uh, of historic proportions. It would be very easy to lose hope. What we want to do today, next week, and the following week is go straight to Scripture and gain a biblical perspective on pandemics, on race, and on politics. As we do that, I know that Nathan and I both are going to disappoint some of you because we're not gonna say everything you want to be said. I, I'm not sorry about that. We're gonna to stick to scripture. We're going to disappoint some of you because we're going to say more than you want us to say. I'm not sorry about that either. We're going to stick with scripture. We have these three issues that are facing us, pandemics, race, and politics, and we're going to go to scripture and gain a biblical perspective on those. It's important to know what God thinks. So today we're gonna to open up pandemics. Uh, next week, Nathan gets to open up race, play, pray for him. And, and then I get to delve into politics. So you can pray for me. We're gonna be reading today from several passages, but we're going to start in Matthew chapter 22. So. Open up your Bible, if you would, or your device. I think it's on the screen behind us also. We're going to read chapter 22 of Matthew. We're just going to read verse 36 to 40. Just 36 to 40. So follow along in your Bible, if you would. This is the word of our Lord. Teacher, what is the greatest or the great commandment in the law? And he, that is Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for your, your perspective. Lord, I, I would love for us to be able to understand everything that you think about all of this. But I know uh, much of it you will leave in the category of mystery, of, of mystery and that we won't understand it all until we see you face to face. Lord, we pray that you give us as much understanding as you need for us to have on this day. And Father, that we will trust you, whether it's for things that we understand or things that we don't understand, that we would still trust you. Uh, Father, I pray for this one that would preach your word. I pray that I would decrease and you would increase, for you are our God and there is none other. Open up our hearts and transform us, Lord Jesus. Amen. When we start thinking about perspectives, uh, one thing that comes to my mind is a situation that uh, Sandy and I found ourselves in uh, several years ago. I think it would have been 1998, the fall of 98. Uh, we were living in Lantilly. It's a village in, uh, outside of Lyon, France. We had one car. Uh, we didn't need more than, more than one. There was a train that was about a two-mile walk away and I, I really enjoyed the walk into the village to catch the train into the city. So we had one car, but it was an awesome car. Those of you that are car nuts would, will appreciate this. It was a Citroen minivan with two sunroofs, a six CD cha changer, um, leather seats, and get this, it had a sports suspension. That thing had been lowered. The, the guy that owned it had bought it for his wife and before she got it, he had lowered the suspension and done some special funky stuff with the shocks and stuff. So it could take a corner, a corner as if it was a Corvette. We had so much fun on that. I had so much fun on that thing. Uh, and, and then we moved and had to leave it behind. But we had this, this one car, this Citroen minivan, and Sandy was, was out one night and she had gone to the grocery store. On the way back, she got lost. Uh, this, was the, this was before you had um, uh, navigational systems in your car. Uh, or smartphones where you could open it up and, you know, and ask Siri to talk to you and tell you which, you know, how to get home. Uh, so she was on her way home and she took a wrong turn. And before long, she was on a, a farm road, a dirt farm road. And she could see a large farmhouse at the end, but the lights were off. Talk about spooky, right? Uh, and, and so she calls me and she's a little frantic. She's, she's lost. It says, help. What do we do? And she can't exactly pull out a map and read it while she's going down the road. So I open up a map there on the kitchen table at home, and, and she's telling me, I see this on my right, highway, and over here I see this big building in downtown Lyon. I can tell by the shape of it and the distance. What do you see in front of you? A dark farmhouse at the end of a dirt road. Okay, what do you see behind you? Let's focus on that. What have you passed? And so she begins to tell me the signs that she's seen. And then I'm able to look at the map and give her, give her a perspective on where she is. She's lost. She needs a greater perspective. By doing that with her, I'm able to help her find the main road and find a way back home. That's what we need now. We have so many perspectives that have come, up, come at us regarding this pandemic. Is it real? Is it not real? Is it a conspiracy? If it's a conspiracy, which direction did it come from? You know, how do you, how do you cure it? How do you, how do you heal people that have it? What do you do to keep from getting it? What, just everything, the perspectives are crazy. It's crazy. So, and, and so where do you turn? You can't turn to media. I'm sorry, you can't. You, you, you can't, you, you can't turn to each other because even in this room, there's probably a dozen different perspectives on the pandemic. So what are we going to do? We're going to turn to scripture. 
which means we're not going to get into all of the science of it. We're not going to get into all of vaccines. We're not going to get into that. We're going to look at a biblical perspective so that we as Christians know how to respond to the pandemic and to each other in the midst of it. Well, I said we as Christians know how to respond. What about if you're a non-Christian? Should I just go do something else for the rest of the day? Well, no, no. I, I want you to stay also and listen. This is about a Christian's response to a pandemic, but it's important. I want you to know if you're a non-Christian, if you're here and you're listening this afternoon or in the morning or, or down the line somewhere, I want you to understand what God thinks. Because if all you do is look at Christians, you're going to get Christians sometimes today that are arguing with each other over this. I want you to, sit, I want you to know that's not God. God's not arguing with anybody about how to respond to a pandemic. There's only one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his name is God. We want to go to this God and hear what he has to say. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to look at four, uh, four uh, biblical perspectives that we find about the pandemic, okay? Four, four biblical principles that help us understand how we can respond to this. Four, there's many others we could go to probably, but we're going to stick to four biblical principles and try and, and, um, and understand everything that we can in this, this short time, okay, and see what God would have us to, to know. The first one is that, that there's a sovereign God that is greater than non-sovereign man. Sovereign God over non-sovereign man. Sovereign God. Now, the passage that we're, we're going to run to on this uh, is, is Romans. Now, Romans 13 talks about a sovereign nation. It talks about the government. So what does that have to do with God? Well, if you'll go there with me in Romans 13, let's read just the first verse. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. He says it three different ways. First, he gives us a command. Let every person be subject, submissive to the governing authorities. And then he gives it to us in a negative fashion, for there's no authority except from God. In other words, what he means by that is there's no authority except from God. And then he gives it to us in a positive vein where he says, uh, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Why does he say it twice in different ways? There's no authority except what is, is from God and everything that exists is from God. If I did that in an argument with someone or a discussion with someone, I'd get in trouble for that. Why is God calling Paul to give it to us in this way? Because he knows that we're hard-headed and hard-hearted. Okay, I'm hard-headed and hard-hearted. Maybe you're not. I need to be reminded. And so he's giving it to us two different ways. He wants us to understand that even the government authority that we might or might not appreciate is from God. I want you to catch something here. This is what Paul wrote to the Roman church. The leader of Rome at the time was a guy named Nero. The things that Nero was doing to Christians, I cannot tell you from this pulpit. It was brutal. It was evil. It was disgusting. It was vile. It was as bad as it gets. And yet Paul is telling these Christians in Rome, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God. Even Nero, he's saying, Nero is being used by God in some way. Say, how? I don't know, but he is. And those that exist, Nero, have been instituted by God. I don't get it. 
And yet what we do know is that there is a sovereign God who has given us a, a, a government and he has authority over that government. And he's telling us to be submissive to that government, whether we like that government or not. Listen, we don't have Nero. We don't have Hitler. We're not in Nero's Rome and we're not in Hitler's Germany. It seems like it would be easier for us to hear from Paul that we need to submit, be subject to our governing authorities, but sometimes that's just not the case. This passage that he gives us here, maybe you're wondering why, why, is, why are we talking about this? Well, because the government has given us guidance on what to do during a pandemic. And it's not for our dismay. It's not for our harm. This passage is, is sandwiched between um, two other passages. There's two parentheses here. Okay, in the first parentheses, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 16 and verses following. Romans 12, 16, let me, let me take you there for just a moment. And Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. He goes on after living in harmony with one another. He says, do not repay evil for evil. Uh, do, not, do not be about vengeance, but vengeance belongs to the Lord. Live at peace with all men as much as it is possible. Live at peace with all men. So he talks about harmony and living at peace and be, being in a great, beautiful relationship with each other. And then he gives us these seven verses on government. And then he goes to, to verse 8 of chapter 13. Go there with me. Owe to no one anything, and he's not talking about financial debt here. He says, owe to no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Those are the two parentheses within which God has given us Romans 13, 1 through 7, where he tells us to be subject to the government. Listen, the government then is not our enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our government is not our enemy. They are put here for our good. And, and, and what we see from, that doesn't mean that some don't, some don't misuse government. That doesn't mean there aren't corrupt people in government. That, that's not what that means. We're not going there except to remind you that it was Nero that was in charge at Rome when God sent these words to the Roman church. God knows all about corrupt leaders. These things are put here, though, to provide a parenthesis to help us to love one another, to live at peace with one another. Somehow God is using government to help us to do that. So how are we going to respond to this current pandemic? One of those ways is to follow the government guidelines that have been set in place for the good of the whole community. Listen, I know, I know, even in this room, there's argument about whether or not those things are real or good. I get that. I understand that. I have several children. When I've got one child that wants to go in this direction and one child that wants to go in that direction, I've got a choice to make. And to say we're going to go in this direction and everybody's going to go together. Or times when, you know, one child has come up from school and said, can I go do this? Well, of course not. Well, everyone else is. And I've quit saying, really, everyone? Do we want to pull the everyone card again? Everyone? Like I remember the time the second grader came home and, 
and said, every one of my class watches R-rated movies except me. I'm like, really? We're going to do that? Everyone, it doesn't, you know, it, it, even if everyone in this room wants to go in 75 different directions, we have one direction that we're called to go in, and that's the direction God calls us to go. It's not what we want to do, it's what we're called to do. Okay? So we're, we're going to follow the government guidelines that have been set in place. Is, does, does sometimes government exercise undue caution, undue restrictions? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. But again, they're not, they're not our enemy. And these restrictions are not just on churches. Now, there might be others that are, are abusing those restrictions. That's not our job. That's not what we're talking about. Who, what are we as a church going to do? We're going to follow the government guidelines that have been set in place for us. It's going to help us love each other and love our community well. God is over the government. God is over the government. Proverbs 21, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. What a beautiful picture. God's got the heart of a king, like a stream of water flowing through his hand. Whichever way he wants to turn, he turns it. So we trust the Lord and we follow him in this. Second principle we have here, faith over fear. Faith over fear. This deals with our relationship with God and self. Uh, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. God says to the prophet Isaiah, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't you want help from God? God's promised that he's going to do that. And he says, do not fear. I'm told that over 360 times in Scripture, God says something like, do not fear or be not afraid or do not worry. In some way, over 360 times, he says, don't be afraid. I'm in your midst. I am here with you. We want to trust our God, even in that moment. Faith over fear for us. Fear, my friends, fear is what happens when we allow something or someone other than God determine our identity. Fear is what happens when we allow something or someone else other than God to determine our identity. Because when we do that, then we have believed them and fear is going to happen. Faith in God versus faith in man or faith in things. The second of those brings about fear. I'll give you a couple of illustrations in Scripture. In Numbers 13 and 14, we, we see the illustration, that, or not illustration, a story of the God, of God, how he has led the people out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness. They've just landed in the wilderness not many days before that. Uh, some things have gone on. They've organized themselves and organized some, some, some you know, living arrangements and that kind of thing, and and then God says, Moses, I want you to send 12 spies over into the promised land. You remember that promised land I was going to give you? It's right over there. Go over there, send 12 spies, one from every tribe. And when they come back, uh, they're going to give you the plan. You know, what's the, what's the land really look like? And, and what do the people look like? And let's put together a plan to take the land that I have given you. So Moses sends the 12 spies, one from every tribe. They, they're there 40 days. They collect um, they collect produce. They collect a, um, a bunch of grapes that are so heavy that they need a pole between two um, 
uh, two of the spies to carry the, the grapes. That's a bountiful harvest. They come back after the 40 days, and they, the people gather around. You can see the scene. The spies are back. The spies are back. And, uh, and 10 of them, they cry out, yep, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It is Canaan. It is a promised land. It's a great land. But they're so big. In 1328, it says, but they are, they are powerful. Yeah, it's the thing God's promised. But the people are so big, they're going to crush us. These 10 spies, even though they have been brought out of Egypt, they've crossed the Red Sea. They've watched Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. They've seen all the plagues. They've been fed manna in the wilderness. And they still look at, the, at God and they say, but the people are so big, they're going to crush us. And they go on and on, and Caleb finally stands up. And Caleb says, stop. God has given us this land. Let's go take it. I love Caleb. Not just because my son-in-law is named Caleb. I love Caleb. Man of faith. God had given them the land. Caleb says, let's take it. It's right there in front of them. But instead, the ten are looking at the danger. They're looking at what they don't have. They're looking at the fact they might die. And the nation of Israel followed those ten. Maybe you know the rest of the story. They walked around in the wilderness for one year, for every day that they were in the promised land. Forty days, forty years. They wandered in the, in the, in the wilderness. And those ten spies, gone, dead. The two, Joshua and Caleb, they walked into the promised land because they walked in faith. Listen, the pandemic is a fearful thing. I get it. That little coronavirus thing is a fearful thing. It's scary. I, I get that. It's powerful and it's huge and it can knock you down. A friend of mine, a fellow PCA pastor in Chattanooga, Randy Jackson, he's lost his mom and his dad already to this pandemic. My brother-in-law spent two weeks in the hospital, seven of those on a ventilator. I've got three friends right now that are struggling with coronavirus. One who's very, very sick. It's a scary thing. It's powerful. It's huge. My friend, its power doesn't hold a candle to your God. If he can wipe out your sin and give you eternal life, then a pandemic, no matter how big it is, is nothing to him. It's nothing. Where's your faith? It isn't in something other than God, someone else other than God. Listen, we're going to respond to this pandemic in faith and not fear. Not, we're not going to fear a prey. We're not going to fear death. We're not going to fear getting sick. That doesn't mean that you might not get sick and you might not die. That doesn't mean some... A ridiculous bravado sort of faith that says, hey, I'm going to go play in the interstate at rush hour and, and, and trust that God's, not going to, that God's going to save me somehow. That's, that's, that's not faith, that's foolishness. But we, we, we want, don't want to live in fear either. So we're going to live in faith in God. You might get sick. You might die. You know what? I'd rather die trusting God than live 
or without faith. I'd rather die trusting him. For the Christian, death isn't the next chapter in some big book. Death is more like, um, it's more like the title page or the, you know, the, the introduction maybe. For the Christian, death means that you see Jesus face to face and you get to hear those words, welcome home, my daughter. Welcome home, my son. Oh, oh, wow. That's something to live for. I look forward to that day. And no pandemic is going to make me slow down with that or take away that hope. We're going to live in faith rather than fear. We're going to live with love instead of indifference. That's that's a biblical principle that's very clear in Matthew 22 and and, in Romans 13, 8. It's it's from the beginning to end of Scripture. We're going to live in love instead of indifference. That's about our relationship with each other. He tells us that that second great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but to love your neighbor as yourself. So we want to love, we want to love our neighbors. In, in every case, in every case in Scripture, love is an action. It's not just this feeling thing. It's not we're talking, we're not talking about eros or or I'm so in love with you. We're talking about love that results in action, sacrificial action. Love, love is, is what happens when we sacrifice something for someone else. It's a sacrificial act. Love costs us something. It's the reason that we, we do the things we do when we sacrifice or lay aside things that we want for someone else. Let me give you three, three things you can hang um, your hat on when it comes to love over indifference. One is masks, one is mad, and one is mercy. Masks, mad, and mercy. And some of you are going to get mad at me when I talk about this, and that's okay. Don't send me any letters or emails. Just keep them. Uh, masks. I don't like a mask. I just don't. You know, the last mask that I liked was a, was a face mask around my helmet in football. I don't like these things. I've got a buddy of mine that's a cardiac nurse in, in Denver. He's got a doctor of, of cardiac nursing, and he's, he's in an OR 8, 10, 12 hours at a time. And he's wearing a mask all that time. The mask is so tight that it, you know, pushes into his forehead and his cheeks. And, and the last thing he wants to do is put on another mask when he leaves, but he does. When he goes to the grocery store on the way home, he puts on a mask out of love. So you wear your mask not because, not even because you, you think that the science is great behind it. Maybe you wear a mask because the government has said wear a mask. That's a good reason, good enough reason. Maybe you wear a mask because it makes someone else feel more comfortable in your presence. That's a great reason. We're loving them as we love ourselves. We're more concerned of their comfort than we are our own. Maybe you wear a mask because you don't want them to get sick or their mother to get sick or their father to get sick or their sister or their brother to get sick. So you wear a mask. So at EP, as long as the government is telling us to wear masks, we're going to wear masks. I'm sorry. That's what we're going to do. Listen, if you walk into my office and we're going to have a conversation, if you want me to wear a mask in my office, I'm going to wear a mask because I love you. I'm, I'm more concerned about you than I am me. 
Scott Saul's notes that worshiping God and protecting our neighbor are inseparable. And there's never an occasion in which one can cancel out the other. So we're going to wear masks. Second is mad. We're not going to get mad. We're not going to get mad at those that don't see it the way you see it. Listen, again, in this room, there might be 75 different perspectives on the pandemic, but there's one that matters, and that's God's. We're not going to get mad at each other if someone has a different perspective than you. So what? Don't make a big deal out of it. If you're going to make a big deal out of something, make a big deal out of Jesus. When we make a big deal out of Jesus, all these other little things, they don't matter anymore. They just don't. Make a big deal out of Jesus. And love your brother or your sister. Just love them. If they want to wear a mask, if they want you to wear a mask, put a mask on. We're not going to get mad. Listen, there's enough madness that's going on in our, in our culture right now with um, the crazy kind of madness where, um, listen, folks are going bonkers because they're alone so much. It, it, it's, it's, it's hard and it's sad and it's, it's damaging relationships. People are uh, at each other's throats in marriages and uh, child abuse is on the upswing. Suicide, as Nathan mentioned earlier, is on the upswing. Depression's gone crazy. Um, it's hard. I get that. How can we come around those individuals and help them to have that confidence in Jesus Christ? How can we come around them and, and love them in such a way that they feel more comfortable? They're able to lay that down. That's one kind of madness. That other kind is, is don't get mad at each other. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at Nathan. We've got enough people mad at us. Listen, we're going to have a congregational meeting Thursday night, and it's going to be virtual. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. It's what we have to do. Don't get mad at us about that either. If you had, if you had any idea how hard your staff and your elders and deacons were working behind the scenes to pull that off, you would not get mad at them. You would thank them. So please don't get mad. Just be thankful. Just be gracious with each other. So masks and madness and, and mercy. The economic fallout from this pandemic is moving into the realm of irreversible in some parts of the world. There are some uh, cities, states, communities, there are countries that will not recover financially from this pandemic for decades, if ever. Even here in our country, we have communities, we have families that are suffering irreversible economic fallout because of the pandemic. They're losing jobs, they've lost jobs. My friends, when the government uh, pulls back the, the, uh, the restrictions on evicting people from their homes, we're gonna have a whole lot of homeless people in Annapolis. How are we going to care for them? Mercy, mercy, mercy. If you wanna help in those ways, I encourage you to see Lori Nelson, see Nathan Boyette, plug into the pop-up pantry. Uh, mercy, love over indifference. Let's not be indifferent to those that are hurting. Fourth and final uh, biblical principle I want us to, to look at is worshiping together over worshiping alone. In Hebrews chapter 24, chapter 10, I'm sorry, verse 24. 10 verse, verse 24. It says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, I know there's, 
I know there's some, some churches in our nation um, that have made a legalistic thing out of that. And they have challenged their congregation that if you really believe Jesus, you'll come sit next to somebody that might or might not have coronavirus. No matter what, we're going to defy the government authorities and we're going to come sit with each other just shoulder to shoulder. That's really sad. Because it also violates that law of love. As Scott Saul said, and I believe it, there's no case where loving each other and the worship of God cancel one another out. They go together. At the same time, we cannot ignore that instructions in Hebrews to not forsake the fellowshipping together of one another. So I want to encourage you, as much as it is safe and you're comfortable, to begin to come back to worship with this body of Christ. We have three services going on. We will add a fourth, and we will add a fifth or a sixth, or whatever we have to do. We're going to keep streaming things like we are so that folks that, are, that have immunity issues or folks that are just really, they don't feel comfortable because of, of age or something else, they don't feel comfortable getting out with other people. I would just caution those same individuals, though, to stop going to the grocery store. Don't get mad at me. Stop going to the grocery store. Stop going to Walmart. Stop going to Sam's. Listen, if you can go to all those other places, you can come worship with the body of Christ. That's all. There's, there's so much grace here. Listen, no one has... No one has gotten sick at one of our worship services or youth group meetings um, as a result of COVID. Hasn't happened. Our, our crew is very, very careful. I want to encourage you to take seriously God's biblical principle here to not forsake the fellowshipping together of the saints of summer and the habit of doing. If you're staying home just because it's easy to, to sit on the sofa with your kiddos and, and eat Cheerios while you watch church, my friends, I'm sorry, but that's, that's, that's just not good enough. Uh, as someone that loves you, I'm going to tell you that's just not good enough. If you're worried about your kids making noise in church, it, let them come. This is the only country in the world. This is the only country in the world that doesn't let kids come into a worship service that segregates them the way we do. Let them come, let them cry, let them scream. Walk outside if you want to for a bit and bring them back in. A friend of mine sent me a picture not long ago of a, a, a woman in Uganda that could not walk. She was paralyzed from the waist down, but she wanted to be in worship so bad that every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, week after week, even if it was pouring down rain, she would crawl. And she would crawl through the mud as much as a mile from her home unless someone picked her up first, and she would crawl through the mud to worship with the body of Christ, and we sit at home because we'd rather eat our Cheerios in our pajamas. Folks, I'm, I love you, but something's wrong with that picture. It was a beautiful time when, when my friend finally was able to build a wheelchair for this woman. She still came to church. She just got there a little quicker. Biblical principles are not always what we want. Sometimes we want to give God our principles and get him to put a stamp on them. I want to encourage you to pay attention to what the Father has given us, though.
The first amongst those, the greatest commandment is that we would love each other. We would love the Lord our God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. We would love one another. We love ourselves. Father, would you help us with this? It's a hard thing. Father, it's hard, and we can get very comfortable doing it our way. But, Lord, you've given us other things. You've given us principles that help us to follow you. Lord, I pray that you give us wisdom, courage, grace to live as you've called us to live as befits the body of Christ. Father, be glorified in our midst even now. In Jesus' name, amen.